don't give up in life, right? Yeah. Like, you're going to go through hurdles. You're going to go through just, it's not always going to be easy. You got to you gotta fight through the BS, yeah, right? Because I'm going through a lot of BS, and I just never let that stop me. Welcome back to another episode of Monetize with Marcus, where we interview entrepreneurs, coaches, business owners, to allow you to learn how you can begin to monetize anything from your minutes, your skill, your ideas. So we want to give you a blueprint from from the lives of entrepreneurs who have succeeded against the odds to be able to find a way to take care of themselves and make an impact on others. And today, I get a chance to interview my guy, Jonathan Dubaton, a.k.a. as I know him, Finesse. Finesse. Man, phenomenal entrepreneur. He probably doesn't title himself this, but I like I call him a thought leader. You know, and and it's not that uh, it's not that he's just a thought leader as it relates to typically we do this in politics and all that. But I think for the culture to really highlight individualism, those who are free thinkers, but Airbnb monster, like he's going to tell you the ins and outs of that serial entrepreneur. But more than anything else, just a solid guy. Man, what's going on for that? What's going on, Marcus? Man, I want to say thank thank you for making the time. Pausing because he's also a podcaster, right? So for sure, yeah. Pausing to show to show up. So let me first ask, man, like, who do you help? Who do I help? Well, at first I started with my family, family and friends. I was always a guy that was uh, the go to guy in the neighborhood to like advice. But I never had anybody to go to. So, like, I was always being the person that helped people and being a mentor, but I never had that in my life. So now that, you know, I'm growing as an entrepreneur, like, I want to help other young guys, young women to, you know, be able to think and be able to reach their goals in life. I love it. I love it. So let's just say if anybody's if anybody's listening now, like, right out the gate, what I love is anytime all of us, it's a phenomenal time to be an entrepreneur because we don't realize entrepreneurs are the new celebrities, the new influencers. People aren't saying, I want I want to play basketball. Everybody kind of understands that. People want to own their time. They want freedom. They want mobility. So, like, I know for myself, coaches and entrepreneurs I serve because I realize they need a way to generate leads to market. So, like, for yourself, adult, is that open for the employee? Is it the entrepreneur? Like, what type of space are people in that you're helping them navigate? Um, I think that people that I'm trying to help, uh, they probably are trying to get into entrepreneurship. They either working a nine to five. Um, they're kind of stuck at where they at, where they, what direction they want to go in life. And I'm just a, a guy that you could relate to. Like I'm from the hood. I'm from the streets. I've been to prison, and it's like you could really relate to me versus you know other people that sound just so educated and like they feel like. They can't relate to them like they could relate to me. I got you, mm. man. You 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 dropped a few things. You know, I, I'm I'm curious, <laughs> aka nosy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta hear about it. Like, what makes you want to help a person? And it sounds like people who are stuck, unclear. They know what they want, but they don't know how to get started. Yeah. So, like, what was that journey for you, where you went from not having a mentor, not yeah. having someone to help guide you, that put you on this path? What, like, tell me your story. How'd you get started? Well, it's a very long story. Hey, man, um, let's do it. Well, like, I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, people look at me and I look like, you know, like, I'm just doing my thing, which I am, you know, but I have, like, really big aspirations and really big goals in life. So, like, I feel like I'm just in the beginning stages. But going back, um, I was really trying to figure out life, trying to figure out how to make money, where, to, where I wanted to be in life. And so back in, let's say, 2010, maybe, I went to college. I dropped out only you, because. Where'd you go to school? I went to Gordon College. It was a junior college in South Georgia. Very, very Is that small. Where you from? No, <laughs> I'm from the south side of Atlanta. Um, born in New Jersey, but I just went to South Georgia just to, just because I didn't know what else to do after high school. Gotcha. And while I was in college, um, I just never felt like it was for me. I never felt like I was supposed to be working for an individual, mm. and so. I dropped out and just started trying to figure it out, and I started my own business, with like a street business, actually. Um, what happened was I bought a cell phone, an iPhone. It was like the iPhone 4 or something. Bought it for my homie, and I went on Craigslist and sold it and made like four times the profit. And I was like, yo, hold up. I could do this. It's so, an opportunity. So I didn't even know about like marketing, and I just knew how to hustle. So what I started doing was I started putting like these Facebook posts, kind of like ads, but like, hey, sell me your iPhone. 
sell me your Apple products. And it kind of blew up from there. Like I was getting people from every direction trying to sell me their phones. They don't know what it's worth. And I'm just buying them up. I'm buying it from every part of Atlanta. And I got so big where like I had to put other people on. And it was at a time where people was getting robbed. Like it was all over the news where like people was getting robbed left and right. Um, it was just a lot of chaos in that field because you meeting people on Craigslist. All right, well, sure. I know he got some money on him. Right, I got four iPhones on me. Hey, I pull up. And people, not me. I never happened to me. But like people <laughs> that I put on, yeah, things that happened to them, you know. And you know, God forbid, nothing ever happened to me. But that was like my first um, interaction with entrepreneurship, learning how to like go hand in hand with you know products and advertising and being like just marketing myself as this person. I was just a go to guy to sell your iPhone to. And then um, I kind of learned something too. Like my plug, I asked him one day, like, you know, like he used to buy everything from me. And I was like, yo, how how you buying all these phones? And like, how you making all this money? He was like, well, I only make a $10 profit. And I was like, how you making money from that? He was like, well, if I got the best prices in the city, everybody's going to come to me versus me trying to, you know, lowball you. I'll just make the small profit, but I'll get more of a quantity. And that light bulb went off, like, you know what? I need to do the same thing. So what I did was I just employed everybody in my neighborhood. Like, listen, you bring me the phones. I don't care we're making a $20, $30 profit, and then I go sell it to him. So I went from buying maybe, well, I, I went from making maybe $1,000 a week to maybe like five grand a week. Wow. Easily. And then, well, that was like the beginning. And then I felt like I, I kind of outgrew that. Like, I didn't want to be in the streets. I let my homies have that. And then... Um, I started doing illegal activities because I'm just very, uh, <laughs> I, I just have really big dreams. And so like my homie just, he showed me this, this fraud he was doing. And I was like, what, what are you doing, man? He pulled up in like a BMW i8 and he was like, yeah, I'm doing this stuff. And I was like, nah, I think I'm straight. Cause it just was just, it was too much just to fathom. Like you making how much? And you ain't doing, you ain't you ain't going to jail for it. But he, I kept seeing him. I just kept seeing him. He just kept doing better and better. I was like, bro, just put me on. And then he showed me the game. Long story short, I ended up opening up two grocery stores, two convenience stores. And that kind of um, opened the door to actually running a business now. So Hold to, on, hold on. We got it. We can't long story <laughs> short that. Okay. We just went from cell phones to grocery stores. Yeah. Like, I got to fill in the, these gaps. Like, mm -hmm. I got to figure this out because I'm too nosy. Like, hold on. <laughs> How did we open a grocery store? Like, so we went from selling phones. At this point, you're still selling phones or, or it's just on autopilot? Like it's, 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 I gave it away. I gave that business away. Okay. I feel like I could make way more money over here than, you know, being in the streets. And the new guy, the other guy you knew. Yeah. What was he doing? If you can, if you can say, oh yeah, the case over. Um, but it, <laughs> it was um, it was food stamp fraud. Okay. And um, what it what it required was basically, man, um, it basically required to like run a bunch of names through the food stamp program to re retrieve a bunch of cards. So we we did it for a year and a half straight, and we and had, then sell the cards. Yeah, we would sell the cards to. Um, someone that had a store that would take a 40% cut. And then another light bulb went off like, you know what, why am I giving all this money to this guy when I could just get my own store? Man, your, your intuition, your intuition like, hmm, cell phone. Like, yeah. that light bulb just, just run to play like straight up entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm not saying that the food stamp scam is right, but I understand. Right. <laughs> you so know. you hear the, hear the play mm -hmm. on, and you think, okay, I'm giving this amount of money away to the grocery store. How you open a grocery store? Man, um, kind of like my plug, he kind of gave me like uh, the instructions to do it. He was just like, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. You just got to find a location, you know, get an LLC, uh, EIN, you know, just the basics. And I was like, all right, bet. And then I had to just, I had enough money where I can, you know, fund the store, get all the products, get all the merchandise, everything. So, I ended up getting a store. Then it went from one store. You know, I was making so much money out of one store, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to get caught making a hundred thousand off one store. Let me break it down to two stores, and I was making you know fifty thousand each store. And then I was like, you know what? I need to make more money. I need to make more. I need to have more stores. I need to have more cards. This is just me just trying to 
figure out life. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I could just come off this, I could really just be straight for life. Yeah. And um, what I started doing with the same homies that I put on with the iPhone plays, like, hey, you want a, a store? I can offer you 30%. And they were, they were going for it. So I have two stores. I'm building up three. And simultaneously, that's when the federal government came, kicked in my door, and was like, we know what you've been doing. And at first I was so confused because I felt like what I was doing wasn't illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I really, I had homies at my house at the time and I was like, maybe they're here for somebody else. I just was so confused and I was like, nah, we, we looking for you. Um, we're from the food stamp, such and such, and you've been doing this, you've been doing that. We need to ask you some questions. I was like, uh, let me just get a lawyer. And then fast forward, I don't know, I mean not fast forward. So at that point I was living really, really good. Um, I was living in Atlantic Station, I had this... Um, two-story loft I decorated really really nice and once they came they kind of uh stopped the flow of my money and I needed to figure out how can I start making money and still live in this place I didn't when they came they was like yeah um you took about 800,000 and I was like and I was looking in my bank account I had 60 grand in my account and I probably had maybe 16,000 in my safe and it just wasn't adding up. The math wasn't mathing. Like, where did this money go? Like, what was I doing with this bread? And But I was only reinvesting it. I would take the money that I was making. I had employees that was, you know, doing the fraudulent stuff for me. I was building up stores to, like, okay, I know where the money was going. I was paying everybody bills. So I know where the money was going. I just never knew that I was making that much money in that short amount of time. It was like a year and a half. And then so they didn't freeze any of my bank accounts or nothing like that. So um, with this spot, I didn't know about Airbnb. Somebody, I don't know where it came from. I, what, year, what year is this? This is 2015, the end of 2015, like October, September, something like that. Wow. And then um, somebody just gave me the idea with this Airbnb stuff, and I just listed my spot, took a couple pictures, put it on there, and February 14th, I made $500 in one night, and I was like, hold up. Light bulb. That thing hit again. Hey, listen, light bulb hit again. <laughs> light bulb, like, oh, damn. All right, well, let me get some Airbnbs. So like I was running the play at my crib, making five hundred dollars a night, sometimes a thousand, and and I'll get another spot, and I'll get another spot. So now I got three spots running, while I'm waiting on my trial, pre-trial, whatever, and I'm making about maybe thirty grand a month. And I was like, damn, I should have been doing this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, but I didn't know at the time. Like I was only thinking, you know, in one direction. Like I wasn't thinking like. Let me take this money and try to reinvest in something legal. Like, I was going to do that later. Let me run up the bag first with this legal stuff, and I'll come back. And then so so that's what got me into, like, Airbnbs. And then so fast forward, I was uh, on pre-trial for maybe 17 months. And then um, I ended up getting sentenced to end up getting sentenced three years, nine months, 45 months. So while I'm sitting in jail, I'm figuring out a plan. Like, you know what? Like, what am I going to do when I get out? Like, I already understand this Airbnb game. Let me kind of, like, make it a real business now. So I'm sitting in prison thinking, like, okay, if I can if I can put this plan together, come out and use the money that I already got, because I buried some money, right? I wasn't just a dummy. <laughs> I buried some cash, and I was like, look, when I get out, I'm going to just do it the right way. I'm going to take this cash and reinvest it. Also, I was learning like marketing. I was understanding branding. Um, I was just thinking, I just didn't want to sit in prison just wasting time. Yeah. Like I, I, I try to use every second of that prison sentence, that prison sentence to like my advantage. So like I, I went hard, like working out, like I came out with like an eight pack and then like I was reading so many books. I was, I was paying people. I paid this white guy like $150 to sit out with him every day to learn Forex. Like, I was just trying to equip myself with enough knowledge so when I do step out, like, I don't got to revert back to, you know, the stuff that I was doing before. So, um, and I also came up with this brand also, like, this fraud stuff. Like, I, I was doing fraud, so, like, let me let me try to make a positive out of this fraud. I was about to ask you about that. Yeah. You got a hat on <laughs> that says fraud uh -huh. and a shirt that is what someone say oxymoronic, rich and unemployed. That's the name so of like, the shirt, actually. Yeah. Oxymoronic shirt, yeah. Yeah, so I, I I need to dig into both. But here's my big question before we get into it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm always curious in the why. Like, we 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 are, our, our outward expression is always something we think. Like, what you mentioned earlier, I always had big dreams. Mm -hmm. What sparked that big dream, that aspiration? What is that that you were after? And what's the upbringing that made you 
just curious and a sponge because the average person can't just light bulb go off and they yeah. just move into action. Yeah. So like, what's that upbringing that gave you those foundational things? Did you grow up around entrepreneurs, street entrepreneurs? Like, what what did that and what did that look like for you? That groomed and developed you where you would have the risk tolerance mm -hmm. to just take that many. Like right now, if I got the idea for a grocery store, I'd probably sit on it. I'm yeah. not even gonna lie. I'm yeah. not. I'm not even gonna take action on a grocery store. Yeah. You like no grocery store. All right. And we'll head that up by next week. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, like, brothers, sisters, dad, like, what's your, what was your upbringing like? Um, I didn't have. That was pretty much it. That's what kind of gave me the motivation. I never really seen anybody with money. I never, never had a, a mentor, a dad, a brother. I never had these people in my life to show me, like, real money. Mm. I would just see it on TV. You know, like, damn, like, these people really living. So um, just when I seen, like, my first dollar, I, I always knew how I was really good at math. I never really did good at school, but I was really good at math, really good at science. So like, I just know multiplication, adding, subtracting. So I get it. If I do enough of this, I can get this. But my risk tolerance came from like when I was younger. I was I was really bad. Like I was in and out of juvenile, just because I was just mad at my dad for not being there. So like I was just doing just dumb stuff, and. I told myself, like, I was at a point, like, I went to jail at 12. I went to juvenile at 12. And then I think at 16, they kind of offered me, like, a year sentence. And I was like, oh, this is real time. I only did, like, little stints, like, three months, two weeks, house arrest. But they were trying to give me a year. And I was like, damn, my life's going to change. If I do 16 to 17, like, I'm going to miss a gap. I like, no, I can't be doing this type of, you know what I'm saying? But I always still had this criminal mindset. Like, you know what? If I am going to be a criminal, it has to be worth it. Let me not even, like, put myself in these dumb positions. Let me just... Like I, I, it, it was just in me. I couldn't let it go. I don't know why. I just, it was just in me. Like when the opportunity came, like I always just had this. I'll take risks. Like I would take risks in life, and that's just where it came from. Like I just, and back going back to my homie, he was the person that kind of showed me like, it's real money out here. That was the first person in my life, pulled up with a BMW i8 on some twenty two Ashantis, <laughs> uh, drop top. That was the person that showed me it was real money. So that was my only example. Like I would. If he doing it, well, and he not getting caught, I could do it too. So the dream was to have real money, whatever yeah. that looks like. That's relative, right? So right. that was the ultimate dream you were chasing. Right. But in the wrong direction. Wrong direction. So, like, give me, before we get into the fraud piece, all of that, like how you flipped it, mm. what was the turning point? Once you came out of prison, was prison the turning point? Prison was the turning point, yes. So what? once you came out, what did that look like, like, Give me first six months. What was the thought process? What did you do first? Man, my first six months, I was so eager to get out. Like I was just, I was just so ready to get out. And uh, another fire that was in me, my my mom died while I was in prison two months oh, before I got out. So I was really kind of like, you know, just I had this anger inside of me. Like you know what? I just did all this time. I lost my mom. Like something good has to come out of this. So like first day out, well actually I didn't even get out. I went to the halfway house. They gave me a year and a half warehouse, and that was basically me being free but still being yeah. in the system. But I, I kind of finessed the situation. So what I did was um, the first thing I thought was, like, you know what? I'm going to use this money and start investing in my brand. That's my first objective. So I got a fake job, which they let me out from 12 p.m. to 2 in the morning. That gave me enough time to do whatever I needed to do. So um, I ended up getting me like a loft, like an office space. Um, I just started creating logos. I started just like branding myself because I already knew like my story was big, like from where I'm from. I was going to use that momentum. Like, okay, dupe is finally getting out of jail. That's what they call me in the streets. Dupe they called you what now? Dupe. My last dupe. name dupe time, but they just shortened it. Dupe. All right, dupe is getting out. What is he? I already knew I was on me, so like, let me take that momentum and kind of shift it because they probably already thought, like, maybe he's about to go back into fraud because like people just knew me as a get money type of guy now. So I was taking that, I took the finesse's only club and and started branding it and put it in a way where people could understand. They didn't know what was happening in front of them, but they just they're just watching the show. That's what I created. Like, you just watching the show, and nobody knew I was in the halfway house, they just thought I was free. So, like, people looking at my Instagram and stuff, and they they just watching, like. Dang, like he's really just got out of prison. He's just going full throttle. That's exactly what I did. I just went full throttle, putting money to my brand, and I just had a vision for it. Mm. You you are a very interesting guy. 
The reason why I say that is I think that there are so many people that you didn't have the mentorship. You didn't have the resources. You didn't mm-hmm. have the education stacked against you. What makes a person believe in themselves to invest in a brand? Right. Like that, that in itself is like mm-hmm. crazy. What gave the confidence to move forward. And the reason why I asked that, I think it's going to help some, help someone even when we talk about when we move into like the whole Airbnb and some of that, because anytime we have fear, we have lack of information. Normally fear is the first emotion that rears mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. versus excitement. So like, where'd that come from? That just bet on myself, invest in myself. Don't care if I fail. Man, where did it come from? I think before prison, I already had this kind of like aura about me. Like people just gravitated towards me and I got confidence from that. So by me sitting in prison and kind of like building myself up, I'm just watching, I never really watch TV, but sitting in prison, I just watch TV all day and I'm looking at other people live their lives on TV like, oh man, I could do this. I'm looking at other people brand themselves. I'm looking at other people market themselves. And I just I just had these visions laying on the bunk bed every night. Like I could do this. I could even if I just had a two hundred, a two hundred wait a following of two hundred people, I can grow that one by one. So I just I just knew that people were, and then I had friends too. I had a really great support system. People really looked up to me. People were just there for me. So I knew the power that I had before. I just had to work on it like a muscle. I just had to keep keep grinding, keep pushing towards it because you can have lack of confidence, but you can actually build confidence up to a point where you're not scared anymore. Mm-hmm. You you could really feel yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the more people that are reaching out to you, the more people that are giving you like, you know, like that are telling you that you're doing really, really good is boosting you up. And I was yeah. just using that. You know what I'm saying? People like, damn, bro, you getting out, you're doing your thing. All right, boom. Like I know I'm doing something good. Let me just keep going and keep going. It don't even matter if I got it right. Cause I, I didn't have anything really right. I just had a shirt with a logo on it. Me posting on Instagram. That was really it. And people just gravitated towards it. That gave me more confidence. <laughs> Man, tell me more about this fraud, rich and unemployed. And now, you, now you've got me curious. What what is it? How did this come to be? Like, give me the backstory and kind of what is it? First, I didn't know what it was. I just needed something to represent me. I knew I had a story. I knew people were going to be interested. So, rich and well, first it was Finesse's Only Club. Me watching TV, I'm just watching like different. I think I was watching NBA TV and it was like players only. I was like, man, Finesse's Only, because I didn't want to be known as a scammer because I'm not a scammer. I just, you know, use, you know, I just leveraged different things in life. Like, I just wasn't into doing just fraudulent stuff. So, like, I know that I want to separate the two. Like, don't categorize me as a scammer. I'm a finesser. Like, I just finesse my way through life. So, finessers only came first. And then I was just going through the dictionary like, man, like, I need to come up with something for fraud. So, I took the dictionary. I went through every F-R-A-U-D. I put like maybe six or seven different meanings together and I went around like my my block, cell block, like, hey, what you think of this? When they seen the finally rich after unstoppable determination, that was like, Oh, oh, oh. you can't you can't you can't spit that like twister. <laughs> like you can't give me that twister flow. It, what does fraud stand for? Finally rich after unstoppable determination. Finally rich after unstoppable determination. Mm-hmm. I like it. So at first I didn't Right now, I still don't know what I want to do with it. I just know it's it, it has a meaning. It's really, really strong, and people gravitate towards it. And then I came up with rich and unemployed. I don't even know how I came up with that. I was just thinking one day, like, I was just thinking, like, different little ideas. And I was like, damn, I could be rich and unemployed. And I just wrote it down. I didn't even think of I just wrote it down on my list of ideas, and I just put it to the side. And then um, when the unemployment thing was happening, when the, the – the, uh, the lockdown and stuff like that, and everybody was talking about unemployment. I'm getting unemployment. I'm getting unemployment. I was like, man, rich unemployment. Is a, it's a, it's a. It would be nice to start this right about now. And I just dropped it, and it was like, yo, that is hard. That is hard. I didn't even know it was gonna be my podcast. I didn't know it was gonna be what it's about to be. I just knew it had a name, and people gravitate towards. It. And I just built off that. I right, people like the name. What could I do with? It? I put it on the shirt. People was buying the, the sweater. People was buying. I had a book bag. People was buying it. I was like, all right, bet I need to. And I dropped this too, fraud at the same time. And I was just seeing how people reacted to both of them. But I knew that they had to be different entities because rich and unemployed speaks to one group of people and fraud speaks to a different group of people. And 
And it kind of made me like think, like I was trying to reach different people when it came to like my podcast and being in these circles. When people see fraud, it's like, yo, what is that? Yeah. And yeah. people that people kind of like shy away from it. So like I didn't, I don't promote it right now because I don't know what I want to do with it yet. Well, I just wrote a script for it, like a, a movie script, like episodes and stuff like that. So it's gonna be like something kind of pertaining to my life where I kind of like twist it. Kind of like power. I just instead of drugs, it's like fraud. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a huge, huge. Here's what I always love about people's story. I think everybody learns how to take each element of what they live and use it as an ingredient to yeah. serve people. If if you see it correctly, right? So I think as long as we keep our stories, our mistakes, our failures as just something that serves us. Mm-hmm. It can torment us. It can make us embarrassed. But when we find a way to channel that into service of the people, I think it empowers us. And that's what it sounds like you're trying to do. Almost right your wrong. Yes. Take what it is that you've experienced. Take your mistakes. Package that into a way that can champion people to, to move that in a different direction. So, like, now, here's the part I'm super interested in. Like, I, I, wanna, I need to steal information. This Airbnb game. For yeah. anybody who's looking to get into it, you have multiple Airbnbs now. What's that starting point for a person? If I'm right out the gate, I don't know where to get started. Yeah. What's the first thing someone can do if they're looking to get in the Airbnb space? And and for anybody who's who's completely lost, like what is Airbnb? Airbnb is like uh, the apartments of Turo. If you don't know what Turo is, it's basically you rent out your car to – another person, peer-to-peer. So Airbnb, you can use um, a house, an apartment, a condo, a townhouse, an event space, anything you can think of that people could live in, use for um, either living or for parties or entertainment, anything like that. So for anybody that wants to get started, I would say use your own house. That's how I started. And it kind of gives you the the ropes of everything. You kind of get how to kind of manage this Airbnb thing because it's not just it's easy but starting off it's not and like when I first got out like that was my game plan like I could use this Airbnb thing to kind of like float you know what I'm saying like I don't really care about making so much money I just need to float and I got out and I got six out the muscle I had six running Airbnbs running in six months wait wait <clears throat> wait wait a minute you're not just gonna breeze past <laughs> six Airbnbs like how do we do that how do we find Man. what it was? It apartments, condos, somebody else's house. What were they? How did you do it? Man, um, my first one, uh, I think it fell in my lap. My cousin was moving from Atlanta to Miami, a one bedroom in uh, near Perimeter Mall. And I was like, let me get that. Like, don't don't break the lease. Let me just get it. And I'd run an Airbnb play with it. And that was the first one. I was probably making like you know an extra fifteen hundred dollars a month. And then I just acquired. How much was the rent? Thirteen hundred, so, so just an easy two hundred. No, 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 uh, extra after oh, paying on the top rent. Of that. This is profit, okay, yeah, profit. Okay. yeah, profit. So like with a one bedroom, I I would make basically double the rent. Wow. So um, that was my first one, and then uh, I created just a process on how to like acquire these faster. So like I wrote down everything that I did for the first one, but I got the furniture, how I set it up, the painters, the cleaners, whatever. Boom! I took the same thing and put it into another shell which was another two-bedroom I have. And then I got another one, and then another one. But, like, I try, like, my concept is a little different because some people, they just start Airbnbs and they just have, like, regular apartments. I try to do the wow effect. Like, once you, you're scrolling on Airbnb trying to find an apartment, you're going to stop at mine because that one picture is going to stop you. I'm, I do theme apartments. So like, my one, the first one I had was, like, a, I think I called it Le Blue, some French name or something. It was like a blue and white apartment, but it looked really nice and simple. Like the average person would uh, take it, and it was cheap. And then the next one I called the Crash Pad, where um, I kind of designed it um, based off of Keith Herring. That's his name. He's an artist. I think he died from HIV or something. And it was just a bunch of his um, designs uh, all over the apartment. And it was kind of like kid-friendly or even the average adult would get it. But all these different apartments, and I had the Chanel apartment. I had Chanel one and two, one bedroom, a two bedroom, and I just designed everything Chanel: the wall paintings, the covers, the, the rugs, everything. So that was like my concept, like to get people to want to book my stuff. My stuff stayed booked out, but I only had one problem. You know, people when they see nice stuff, they want to have parties and stuff like that. So like I was, I was that was my only problem dealing with these <laughs> nice Airbnbs. Like people just want to throw parties every weekend, man. 
How, now I gotta play advocate for somebody that's listening. We got six. We got six Airbnbs uh-huh. running. They're themed. They're making money. How does the average person? Let's just say to the person who's working at their job right now, mm-hmm. they they're not they're not comfortable with with starting with renting out their place. How does a person start and get their first Airbnb? Um, first, you have to have some okay credit. What, that, what does that look like? Um, I think now they're taking people with 580s. So from 580 and up. 580 and okay. up. Um, the location is number one. So, like, I would typically try to find locations where it's either next to arena, conference centers, uh, conventional centers, um, anything that are, is the attraction, Atlantic Station, Buckhead, Lenox Malls, like those areas. And then you kind of like go do a tour and try to figure out, okay, would this be the best fit for me? You know, like ask the apartment about like how do they feel about short-term rentals? Well, not in the beginning stages. You just go look at it. Just go look at the setup. And then and then even if you don't even look at apartments, you can look at houses. That's what I aim towards now. Houses are just way easier. Um, and then once you find a location, you apply for it, you know, deposit, uh, security deposit, first month rent, you know, the initials things. And then, um, like, what I would do, I, I like, sit in the house for, like, two days because I, I don't know, like, how I'm going to design a place. I'll sit in there and kind of get a feel for, like, who I want in this space, what type of people are coming. And then I try to come up with a design that'll fit this location because you just can't do anything anywhere. It has to fit and, you know, come up with a nice theme. It's either you're going to paint the walls, you're going to have, you know, some artists come through and design some the the different kinds of uh, furniture. Everything kind of matters. Everything matters in this point, like creating this space because that's going to determine, like, how much money you make. Yeah. So once you acquire the property, design it, you list it. And that's as easy as that. As simple as one. So what should somebody avoid? Should, we, should you set it up, decorate it with your own taste? Should you think about hotels? Should you be thinking about... If your favorite color green, should you avoid that and kind of think about what would be neutral? What what's some things that someone should avoid once they find a location? You mentioned going and talking. If it's an apartment, mm-hmm. going and talking with them, see how do they feel about it? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Airbnb? Mm-hmm. Or should this be on the hush? Like, don't say nothing. To Definitely nobody. don't be on the hush because you're gonna. It's gonna be a point where they're gonna find out. And I I, had, I went through that. Like I was trying to finesse the situation where you know I just go under the table and people would do the dumbest things like they will go to the rent office and be like hey I'm here for Airbnb and I'd be like <laughs> why not call my phone like why would you go to the leasing office so like I learned through trial and error like I went through everything with this Airbnb stuff so I do not recommend you trying to hide it because you're going to get caught one day. office like, so what apartment number? Uh, yeah. Apartment That's exactly 10, what they do. Okay, okay you show look. me the listing. Actually, yeah, yeah. Can you email that to us? Yeah, yeah. And they'll call me and be like, hey, we talk to your guests. So, like, what are you talking about? Like, well, yeah, um, we have the email. We have the pictures. Yeah, we got you. I was like, oh, man. So I would avoid um, hiding it. So, like, once you, like, go and see the spot, you can call later and ask, like, how do they feel? Like, ask someone else. Hey, how do you feel about you know such and such? Okay, like, or you can go on the website and see if other people in that same building that have Airbnb in this location. And if you see multiple, then that lets you know the green light. Okay. okay, well they don't mind. So I just call anyway just to see what where the headspace at. And then, or house. House is way easier because you don't have to worry about that unless you're dealing with like the um, H HOA. HOA. And then um, what I would avoid too is. Um, doing somebody else's theme. Go through Airbnb and do some homework. Like, see what people are posting. If you got a one-bedroom, see what these one-bedrooms look like. What are they doing? And I go look at their calendar. Are they booked up? How much are they charging? What are they, like, I go look at their reviews. I go do my homework, my due diligence on everything, and then I kind of come up with how I want to do it. So a checklist for someone starting. Credit score 580 or better, mm-hmm. right? From credit score to location, look for something that is in proximity. Let's say Georgia Tech, like here in Atlanta, people are going to fly in town to come and watch the game yeah. go down the line or just, just to go and eat. So something in a location that people will frequent so traffic mm-hmm. com- is, is constantly coming. The next thing you say is vetting it out to make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this, this ain't finessing. Right. This is not right. under the table. Right. This is a global platform. Because you could lose your money. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after that, 
it's really doing your homework to see what are other people doing in the industry. How are they decorating it? How mm -hmm. much? How are they booked up? Mm -hmm. to, to, so how much should somebody, once somebody follows these four or five steps, mm -hmm. how much should a person set aside if they want to get started with their first Airbnb? Like how much on average if we, I know it varies, right, different yeah. cities, but on average, what do you think somebody I needs would, to have to, to get started? At Airbnb? the low end, I've started one with maybe six grand. And... Not to say you can, you know, invest as you go. You know, as you start getting bookings, as you start making money, you can, you know, put more, more money into, like, your property. And I think at the high end, maybe ten to 15000 okay. If you want to just go big, because I, I didn't spend a lot of money on, but I know, like, I was going to make that back. I go get me a four-bedroom house. I know I can charge $800 a night. My spot is already is enough for its four bedrooms, which I try to deck it out with as many beds as I can. Right, air mattresses, big couches, um, double beds. So like this four bedroom could turn into a, a, a space for 16 people. And you know, people like living with each other. They don't want it to have separate cribs. So like you can get either one person booking it or you can get 16 people booking it. So I got this margin where I can make money where like, I'm not just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not just, what is the word? I'm not shortening myself to just a one bedroom where only one person could book I it. I got you. Right. So, um, wait, what am I saying? What is the question? So <laughs> we were talking about like, what does somebody need? So on the low end, we're okay. talking six grand. Mm -hmm. So like, I, yeah, I started like six grand to get you the deposit. Six grand will get you the furniture, the, uh, the, the decorations, everything you pretty much need. And that could cover the first month rent because that got to be included too with a second month rent because you got to move in and it's going to take you about two weeks to decorate everything. So you should also add in how long, like once you sign the lease, how long before you get it up and running and get bookings. Right. What's the, what do you, what would you say, let's talk about apartment versus house. What do you think is the average for like a one bedroom that somebody would make in profit? $1,000. dollars Seven fifty your lowest, thirteen hundred is at your highest for one bedroom, depending on the location. That's pretty good for something that you don't have to that's not like a house that you right. stuck with. You so about a thousand dollars passive income. Mm -hmm. Okay. And on a house, what does that look like? House depending on the size. Houses are typically maybe twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred. And um I would say for me. Cause I got to bring up my Miami locations, cause this is a whole different market. But in Atlanta, um, I typically make double the rent at the low end. I'm always gonna make double the rent. That is the goal. And then depending on the time, because you know, like slow seasons are during the winter, and the summer times I can charge as much as I want for for a four bedroom house. I might charge eight hundred dollars, and I could bring in fifteen thousand dollars a month. Did you have an Airbnb when the Super Bowl was in Atlanta? <sighs> no. Oh, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I missed it. I, I saw, was in jail. I saw one-bedroom apartments when the Super Bowl hit Atlanta on Airbnb going yeah. for $2,000 a night. Yeah, I know. I said. And it was going. It was going. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you said these are two different markets, Atlanta versus Miami. Yes. What, what's that market? How was how it so much different between Atlanta and Miami? So I'm asking that because someone listening – there's people that's listening might be in Oklahoma, Philly, Delaware, mm -hmm. Atlanta. Do you think that the city matters or you feel like anybody could win with Airbnb? Anybody could win with Airbnb. But uh, the city determines how much money you could possibly make because uh -huh. Miami is a very tourist area. And with my location, I have a three-bedroom penthouse, which it cost me a lot to uh, invest. It, like The investment was a lot. I paid, well, I spent 35000 mm -hmm. But my first month I made 20 grand. And the, th the special thing about Miami, like I'm in a circle where, you know, they got guys that rent out boats, cars, and they also do cribs. So the thing with Miami, a lot of buildings don't allow this short-term rental. They hate it. And so with, with me not having to put my space on Airbnb, I could go to the circle of people that, you know, uh, the middlemen and things, and they would, let me tell you how it happened. So, my homie, I, I told him about my space. I was about to put on Airbnb, and I was gonna put it on there for like a thousand a night. So my homie called me like, "Hey man, um, when your spot gonna be ready?" I was like, "I'm ready next week." He's like, "Man, I got somebody. Uh, how much you charging?" I was like, uh, "Fifteen hundred. I just threw a number out there. He's like, "I bet." He said it too quick. I was like, "Well, you gonna be able to make some money?" He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna charge him like two grand." I was like, "You gonna charge him two thousand dollars a night?" He's like, "Yeah, they gonna pay that. That's easy." 
I was like, hold on, light bulb. <laughs> that light bulb again. <laughs> hold up. So I'm really undervaluing myself. So I moved the price up of 15 to $2,000, a night. On a on a, a holiday, I might charge $2,500, $3,000. So, but now it's like, I don't, I'm not in a space where I don't have to worry about the leasing office catching me doing Airbnb because that's the only way they really find out. They do their research. They go on the website. They'll see they're building the, the apartment on Airbnb. They'll see your face on a profile picture. Okay, we got them. All right, so you got to put that down. But um, in Miami, people tend to spend a lot more money on anything, cars, boats. They People go down there to spend money. Atlanta's a little different. People just come down here to party and kick it, chill. Miami, they spending big money. And then I had higher clientele, have NFL players, rappers, all different high-level people that was willing to spend this amount of money. And my spot was decked out. Like, it, you would want to live there. Mm -hmm. If I sold you right now, you're like, bro, how much? Let me, let me see <laughs> like, that, though. Let I'm going to show you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's dope, man. And so, like, I right, boom. I need more of these locations in Miami. Forget Atlanta. I need to be in Miami where... The market is way stronger. Man, are you, so now, are you, of course you got Airbnbs, are you teaching people how to get into this space, how to, yeah. you know, more mentoring them so they don't make the mistakes? Because I'm sure, which I'm, I'll ask, you know, before we wrap up, like what's some of the mistakes you made that you would avoid? Well, it's two questions. Are you currently teaching people kind of what you've learned mm -hmm. to avoid those mistakes? I am. Um, so I came up with a course called Cashpad. And Cashpad is basically, it's it's a spinoff of Airbnb, but it's more to, it's not just Airbnb. Airbnb is just something that people just, they know off the back. But it's other platforms that you can use that you can monetize your 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 spot. So there's Airbnb, there's Verbo, there's um, uh, Peerspace. There's a bunch of number of different websites you can use. That's why I call it Cashpad. It's not just Airbnb course. It's a Cashpad course. You can rent out your spot hourly to for photo shoots, video shoots, whatever, and make $150 a night. And you can still live there. You can rent out during the day, live at night. So mm -hmm. I'm teaching people to, to play. But the things that I went through, man, I went through everything. I went through like investing $10,000 to only have this spot for two, two months and getting kicked out and getting evicted because I didn't do the due diligence to figure out could I do this in this building. So like now I'm smarter. Like I, I never lose any money doing this, and I, I want to teach people the same game. I love it. I love it. So you giving people the game. What's the what's the biggest what's the biggest mistake you made in in the Airbnb space that you like? I, I just heard one of them. Was that the biggest one, or was there another? No. Um, I think um, my hiring process. Because at first, I was just hiring friends to like do things. Like I would hire like my sister to clean, and man. <laughs> Sus wasn't cutting it. Man, she would she would move on her own time. That would that taught me a lot of lessons in life. You just can't hire family sometimes because family don't take you serious. That's what I learned that in the Airbnb game. Yeah. Like they just don't take you serious when it comes to your business. What'd you say? So somebody coming at eleven. Okay, I'll be there at three. She'd be there at like two, and then she not even doing the, the job right. I'll get complaints like, yo, who you got cleaning this spot? Like they didn't even clean the tub. They didn't do this. And I would complain like and she would talk back. <laughs> Like, what? I'm the boss here. <laughs> I'm the boss, man. And I used to hate it, man. I was like, you know what? <laughs> You're fired. So, and then I would hire uh, my cousin as a manager. They just, it. I, I learned, like, hire, like, just outsource. Just stay yeah. away from family and friends because they don't take you serious in the beginning. Yeah. And they, will, cause they could drive your business to the ground, which it did. Like, I had bad reviews. They wouldn't, like, put, like, if they had a party, like, I had, like, the ring set up. So, like, I would know when it's a party going on. I would need you to monitor this ring. I'm paying you. They won't even, they're just, uh, <laughs> now we got caught for a party. Now it was just, I lost a lot of money dealing with family. No, that was the biggest mistake. So I, I do want to lead into kind of what do you feel like you got right? But my other question is to make sure that we're adding even more value to everyone. What kind of staff would a person need run, running multiple Airbnbs? Yeah. Like what are those first three? two to three things that a person needs to hire for immediately. I, I would imagine cleaning, right? Cleaning is the very first person. And that cleaner could turn into a manager potentially because once you give them that location, you kind of let them run it. Okay, listen, once they start getting uh, familiar with everything, listen, here's the app. 
I, I want you to be um, corresponding to the, the guests. I want you to talk back to the guests. I want you to interact. So you'll go on the app, you'll talk back to them, you'll be booking, and then I'll just give you a little more money. Like, hey, this is your property now. I want you to run, this is your property. You're the cleaner and the manager. And then once you get another property, either they could be both for, for both spots, or you can just hire another one. I typically try to just get one cleaner. Well, this is what I did too, right? I had a, I had a light bulb in prison. Like, you know what? I need to just start my own cleaning service because cleaning services, um, they charge too much. They might charge you $100, $150 to come clean your spot. Let me just start my own company and pay somebody hourly. Let me just pay somebody $10, $15 an hour, right? If I if you only clean for four hours, why would you charge me $150? I'll give you $15 an hour. You make 60 bucks. And that's that's good for some people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? An hourly job and you get to do whatever you want for the rest of the day versus having um, a, a, a real cleaning company and they charge you. Because you, you save a lot of money, make a lot more money by saving on the cleaning fee. Yeah. All right. So the cleaner is pretty much the only person you need. And then once you start expanding and you have like multiple properties, six, seven, eight, ten properties, you probably just need a manager to manage the cleaners. And so then the, the, go ahead. So the main two things people would need, cleaner and manager, the thing they should avoid is don't hire your family to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. How, so here's what I would ask, and then you know I I want to hear kind of where where what's next yeah. for Jonathan Dubaton. Did I say it correct? Dubaton, yes. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> grateful poem, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the biggest thing I would ask is how does a person how does a person go about finding a cleaner? Is there sites that someone should go to? Is there something they should you can so find them easily on Craigslist? It, they're, they're pretty much easy to find. But I would say how, just create one, make an LLC overnight, put an ad on Craigslist. And boom, they think you're a real company now. You could pay them whatever you want. Mm. Pay them whatever you want. And matter of fact, I learned this from this guy I sat in prison with. He was like, he was like, you should always create a business to support the other business. I was like, damn, that's a bar. Yeah, he was like, I got a, he said he had like a, uh, a dealership and he created a tire shop to go with it. Then he created a car wash to go with it. Then, so the money's just staying within itself. So I was like, boom, all right, I need to keep that. I, I will say, I just had a light bulb moment. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to you for okay. that. Hey, send me the bill. Let me get a send piece of that. Okay. <laughs> All right. But uh, so here's what I would ask. You know, I, I know that you have you now are walking people through this Airbnb process to help them avoid the mistakes you made and yeah. the win the way that you won multiple mm -hmm. properties here in Atlanta and Miami. If anyone's looking to get into Airbnb, how can they contact you? How can they reach out to you? Um, you can definitely find me on Instagram, Finessers Only Club. Uh, rich and unemployed. That's the second um, page that I have. Um, that's it for right now. And um, I'm going to start expanding to how to reach me out more. But right now, I don't have the course. But so many people are asking for the game. Like every time I post my crib, you know, can you teach me? Can you teach me? So it made me want to. All right, let me just create a course for it. Let me offer some mentorship. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Let me offer. You know what I'm saying. What he said, like he said, he <laughs> he gave me the game. He don't even know it, but oh yeah. And listen, he's talking about Sha my guy Sean T. Blanchard sitting yeah. here and just just blazes, man. Ebooks. I, I gotta look game out. Game I gotta look out for you on the course thing, man. You, okay. You're overthinking it, bro. I know. You're overthinking. I know. It. <laughs> the, like one of the things I will say as advice, like constantly, I talk to people with courses and they think it's just packaging information. Yeah. Of course, it's a journey, man. So imagine if I were giving you directions like this. Now we flip. Uh -huh. Imagine if I'm giving you directions and I and to get here, and I say, yeah, you're gonna see trees on the left hand side and this on the right hand. It confuses you to more information. Mm -hmm. You need main pivotal points mm -hmm. that allows you to take action, which is like make a turn or stop doing something, right? That's all you got to do, bro. But we'll talk offline. I, okay, I'll, I'll show you the game of how to do it. The reason why I say that is, I build a business that that helps people that's helping people. Mm -hmm. If you can help the mom, the dad, the employee generate revenue, everybody can't buy a house and do a rental and have a rental property. Yeah. But anybody can go get an apartment to generate revenue with yeah. no hours work. Right. So like what you're doing, man, I think it's a fantastic stream of revenue mm -hmm. that you know, we gotta have that talk. So what's next, man? I know what you're doing now, but what's next for you? Next next few years, what can we expect? Well the Airbnb thing is just like just something to do, just so I can help people make money. But for myself, though, man, I'm on mogul status. So, like, I'm using the platform I have now, like my my podcast. I'm I'm just using it to kind of, you know, build up this this person. I want people to be able to relate to me. I want to be able to, you know, give people game just on life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I step up this this ladder in life, I can use it to open other doors. So, like, I see myself multi-million um, 
billionaire. You know, let me not even put that's just too small. Billionaire. Um, I plan on being on TV, uh, being in movies, writing my own scripts, right? Um, shooting my own movies. Just being a mogul. Man, knowing knowing what I know about you and hearing your story, I believe it's gonna happen, bro. Yeah. Without question. The light bulb will continue to go off, and most importantly, not just for you, but for other people. So, man, thank you for your time. Let me say this, too, right? Because, man, I I just dealt with some stuff coming up here, too, right? I'm on probation, right? Uh And I'm trying to explain to my probation officer. Like, she's like, yeah, you got to keep a job. I'm like, listen, I can't can't get a job. Like, I I, I pulled up just like this just so I could show my brand. Like, this is what I have going on. Like, I can't dedicate eight hours a day to a job. Yeah. I have to put this into myself. I can't do what you're requiring, like what you're asking. I can't. And she's like going back and forth for me. I'm like, listen, like, I know you had dreams in life, right? Like, what if somebody came and told you, like, you couldn't, you had to do certain things and it's, it's taken away from what you're trying to do in life? Yeah. And she just wasn't getting it. Like, now she's like, okay, well, if you don't get a job, I'm putting you on house arrest. I'm like, you know what that's gonna do to what I have going on? Like, my brand? Like, yeah. it's people that look up to me out here. Like, you want me to stop this energy? Right. So like just I, like don't give up in life. Right. Yeah. Like you're going to go through hurdles. You're going to go through just it's not always going to be easy. You got to you got to fight through the BS. Yeah. Right. Because I'm going through a lot of BS and I just never let that stop me going to prison, being on probation, telling me I got to get a job. And, you know, like and you got a successful business going. Right. And I'm telling yeah. her, like, I got Airbnb. Like I do this. That's not a job. But OK, what do you really want from me? You know, but you just I just got to play the game. You know what I love what I love even about that, right? I think that helps someone. Their situation might not be probation, but it's something that they're bound to that restricts them. Yeah. Whether it's be whether it is the amount of money they make, a credit score, whether it's no one believing in you, lack of support, lack yeah. of education. So to anybody watching, I think it's important to hear, even with success, like a man super successful, multiple businesses, still having that thing from mistakes from the past. Right. And we mm-hmm. all have it. Some the um the amount we pay for the mistakes we made I'm paying for that it. I think it, it helps you, it humanizes you, yeah. and it's gonna help you help so many other people, man. Right. So thank you for that. I just wanna tell my story because I know it's gonna help other people. Yeah. Right. I know it's gonna do something and it's not just for me. Like I'm not even doing the things I do for money right now. Like I, I wanna do the course just to help people. I'm not even I know I'm gonna make millions later on in life, but if I can make an impact now, just like the podcast stuff I'm doing like I'm not even worried. I don't even try to monetize it right now. Yeah. I'm just speaking. You yeah. know, but I know like people the DMs that I get, the comments that I get, I know that it's affecting people. I know it's working. All right, boom. I need to just keep going. And the money's gonna come later. Bro, if I can say anything to you, it's it's your words back to you. Don't stop, keep going. Thanks. And I think it's to everyone. So thank you so much, man, for pulling up. Thank you for sharing Appreciate your story. You for thank me, you man. for your vulnerability. You know, yeah. it takes a lot to just Throw it out there to help someone I know it is. From the game you gave on Airbnb to you giving your story and there's someone else that's in the same place or someone that's in a different space but want to know how do I climb out of what I'm in. So I hope you've enjoyed another episode of Monetize with Marcus and not just heard information, but you heard information that you can package, market, sell, and turn into income and in essence monetize. I will see you in the next episode.